Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. We're kicking off the Life and Death series. We're going to be looking at, uh, throughout this series, the beauty of heaven. We're going to look at the reality of hell uh, and, and really focusing on living a life that matters our goal throughout this, this whole series uh, together is that we would see and understand and live out of the importance of, of, of the life here on earth that, that Jesus saves as we're believers uh, following him. Uh, and, and because he, he saves us and leaves us here, we've got to be about his business and what matters most to Jesus, that that he came to seek and save the lost. And so for those of us that follow Jesus, our lives are to be lived out so that, so that everyone around us hears about his immense love for them, uh, about, about why he created them, how he created them to know them uh, and, and desires that they walk in relationship with him and that a decision has to be made along the way to leave a life of, of self and unbelief and sin and step into a, a life with Jesus where he washes us clean and we get his identity. That we live with eternity in mind, but, but understand that these 70, 90 years here on earth uh, are all about, about ministering to others. About becoming like Jesus and then ministering to others because he matters most. For the believer... In Jesus, there's no worry and no fear when we talk about life and death, when we talk about the reality of heaven and hell, because I can't remember who said this. I heard it years ago, but I was listening to a pastor speak, and he said, the, the bottom line is this, with Jesus, death is life. Like with Jesus, death, when I stop breathing here on this planet, death means eternity life with Jesus. And so there's no fear, but there are common questions that get asked, right? You've probably asked them, you've probably had friends ask them, if somebody's like an unbeliever that, that you know well, and, and they know where you stand uh, in following Jesus, they might ask you a lot of questions about stuff that has to do with eternity and the afterlife. We, we get asked, hey, where do we go when we die? Is hell really a real place? Is heaven real and what's it like? Does life here on planet earth affect life there in heaven? What does the Bible say about the afterlife? That's a big one. What about those stories that you hear or that you read or or that somebody uh, maybe writes a book about or shares shares, uh, their their life story about a a bright light or or meeting Jesus and then coming back, all those things. What, What are those all about? I don't have an answer for those, by the way. We're gonna, they might be real, they might not, I don't know, but we're going we're gonna to stay in the gospel for everything here. The question that, that I love hearing, because it comes from the, the heart of a follower who believes Jesus, that disciple. Uh, we can believe in Jesus and not follow him. Satan believes Jesus uh, who is who he says he is. He doesn't believe in him. He doesn't follow him. But, but really for a dis- true disciple, you're a believing follower or a following believer, however you want to put it. We put action and lifestyle to that which we're, where we put our hearts. 
And so for a true disciple of Jesus, the question that I love that people ask when it comes to the afterlife or eternity is how do I live a life that makes a real difference and leaves more here after I'm gone, that leaves a legacy of Jesus and his truth after I'm gone here? That's the question that we need to be asking because that'll keep us focused on the things that matter most to Jesus, which is me becoming like him and me telling others about him. One huge question that we're looking at today, uh, and it's asked a lot by people in different ways, but, but I think the, the basic one that gets asked by especially those who don't know him is how can a loving God send people to hell? Anybody ever hear that question? Anybody ever ask that question? Some people ask it with accusation firmly in mind. Some people ask it uh, just being inquisitive and being well-meaning and wanting to understand more. The problem is when unbelievers try to answer it, they don't know God. So they can't answer a question about God without knowing him. And when people try to answer it without going here, like you cannot answer the question, any question about God, without going where the story of God lives, which is in the Word of God. So, so we're going to be in the Word of God. And, a little spoiler alert, I'm not really going to answer that question. I'm going to answer a bigger question. But we got to start with looking at God's nature. That's always the key when answering any question about God, and especially as it comes to eternity and, and life after death and eternal punishment, however you want to look at it and whatever aspect you want, to, you want to be in, you have to start with the nature of God. And so we're going to look at three key aspects of the nature of God and start with what matters most and that God is a loving God. Bottom line, God is a loving God. First John 4, 7 and 8 says that, that love comes from God in verse 7. And then verse 8 says, God is love. So it is who he is. It's not something he just does. He does it. He does it uh, perfect. But it's because it is him. God is love. And that's huge. That's huge because you mess up a lot. I screw up all the time. So I need a God who is loving. And, and the reality is my sin can never outreach his love for me. His love is always farther reaching than your sin will ever go. Yes. Now, if you, you still have to make a decision in that to let his love wash over you. But you can never out-sin the far-reaching love of God. And we find that really in probably the most famous chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse in the history of the world. The most famous sentence in the history of mankind is John 3.16. Each version will state it a little differently, but it gets the, the love point across, that his love is far-reaching and all-encompassing. And most of you have probably heard it before. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God proved his love to us by sending Jesus so that no one would ever have to have a life outside of him. Yeah, but people die without knowing him, Scott. I know, that's a decision that's made. 
But God sent his son, Jesus, down here to live a perfect life that we could not live and then die a death that we deserve but we couldn't pay the punishment for. He, he came down here and he lived the perfect life. He, he died as a punishment for, for the sins of all mankind and, and then he rose again to new life and he says, if you believe in me and you leave behind the old you, which is the old way, the old gods, whatever those little gods were, the, the sin life that you have, you leave that behind and follow me and you will have eternal life. But you have to make that decision. God doesn't want anyone, anywhere, at any time in history to perish. That's what Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, verses, uh, 9, through, verses 9 through 15 Peter says this, I'm going to read it in two different chunks here. He's talking about the second coming and why it's taking so long, for lack of a better phrase. It's like, people are like, what's going on? He's supposed to come get me. I don't like this anymore. He promised because we just have a lack of understanding of when it's going to be. So 2,000 years ago, they still struggle with the same things we do. When are you coming? It's just it looks a lot more real like coming. No, I'm just... Looking at the face of the world, I don't know, I don't know. But they had their looks there too. They just didn't have to worry about social media. Bless them. Uh, but so Peter's writing about the second coming and answering a question of why it's not happening right now. And he says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to come again, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Now there's two people he's talking about there the believer and the unbeliever. So it's like, okay, so why is he being patient for my sake if I'm a believer? Because I got a job to do. I was left with the same job that Jesus came to do, seek and save the lost, love people out of the overflow of the love of God in my life to go teach, disciple, baptize in the name of Jesus. That's so that I can do the job I'm left here to do. That's for my sake, so I can be fulfilled as a follower of Jesus. And then for those who don't believe, that are living uh, in, in themselves and following themselves or the things that matter most to them, living in, in a sin lifestyle, it's for your sake because you still have time to say, I turn from that, that's repentance, and I turn towards you, which is the, what I call the backside of repentance. Repentance is, I did this, I'm sinning, forgive me, and now I will walk differently. So he says, for your sake, i got to find where I am. Oh, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God's heart is that all lost people, so all of us at one point were lost people, some of us are now saved, that every person finds him, knows him, follows him, is adopted into his family, and none destroyed. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Some of you have been robbed before. You probably didn't plan for it, right? Nobody goes, I'm, I'm just hanging out with my Glock 45 waiting for the thief to come. Nobody does that, right? Thieves come unexpectedly. And so he's saying the day of the Lord will come. I mean, like it could come before we finish this service. We don't know. So it'll come as unexpectedly as a thief. 
The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. It's going to go. This earth, gone. Just like that. Then the heavens will pass away with it. Oh, I'm sorry, I was already there. Verse 11, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Interesting, huh? We can hurry along the day of the Lord. In essence, the second coming, whatever exactly that is, we can make it happen faster. We're going to talk about that week three, so we're not going there right now. On that day, God will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in flames, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. Everything right. Everything right. Is everything right right now? No. If you're like, I don't know, pay attention. Okay, it's not. It's not. But it's not meant to be because it's not the second coming yet. There will be a day when everything's right. For the followers of Jesus. There will come a day when all believers will live in God's perfect way for us. I mean, just, man, that sounds good. Chocolate pie and mama, right? Like Stennis said. We'll be at home with Jesus. Absolutely right with God. No more sin issues for the believer. For those who choose, we'll be living in relationship daily with the Creator God, all-powerful and all-loving, because God is a loving God. And then verse 14, Peter goes on to say, And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives. Hit a pause right there. Um, And I'm pausing for me. Scott, are you... Thinking, living, saying, I don't tweet, but social media eating a peaceful life. Most of the time. I've gotten better because I do less. But that's not even the best way to go about it. Are you living a peaceful life? Are you living a peaceful life? When you walk into some, some place, work, home, school, When you say something on social media, when you email, when you text, when you call, when you talk, is peace what comes from you? No indictment on you, unless the Holy Spirit wants to indict you there. Just be convicted of that and and change the way you're, you're living if you're not living a peaceful life. Lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. In other words, doing the things that the gospel tells us to do. Obedient to Jesus. And remember, he, end, he starts with patience and ends with patience in this thought. Our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. The God that we see here in this passage in Second Peter desires that every person ever is saved. None destroyed, he says. And if a person chooses to look at things, even if they're not a believer, but look at things with spiritual insight and even critical thinking skills, they will not be drawn to eternal judgment, which is a Christless eternity, hell. They will be drawn 
to the far-reaching, never-ending, long-suffering, patient love of God displayed with mercy that blows our minds. If you look at it with any type of spiritual insight and critical thinking skills, all you're going to see of our God is that, wow, he's, he really wants us to know him and live in the way that he created it to be. Not following other gods, whatever those little gods are, and not living in sin, and not loving ourselves more than Jesus. So the big idea for today is that we would see God for the loving God he truly is. And not look at God as this one who sends people to hell. Because that's the accusation against him. That, well, he's, if he's loving, why is hell a part of it? And so we're going to answer that as we continue to look through him being a loving God and then a couple of other things. When we read the Bible, we read about the, the far-reaching love of God for people. When you read the Old Testament, you see the, the stories. It's always God rescuing his people and calling them into relationship with him. You read the Old Testament prophets and these men of God were begging people to let God love them and live in the, in the peace-filled life that God had created for them and not following their own ways. A lot of people will look at it and go, wow, a lot of harsh things being said. It's because they, they know that eternity is on the line for every person that doesn't believe in God. So live in what he's called you to live in. In what he created for you. I know it's a broken world. Sin is there. Maybe you have addictions or you have pains or you struggle with certain things. But there's a way to live and a way not to live. And you have a choice in that. Don't chase after what's false. Is always the, the, the desire of the Old Testament prophets. All God wants is his family. He wants to adopt us as sons and daughters and have us live in the family of God. And he even says, I want Jesus to be your brother. I want you to have the same inheritance that Jesus gets from me. That's God's heart all through the, the gospel. The whole story of Jesus that's there is that God wants a family. That's why he worked so constantly to adopt you into his family, Matthew. Matthew. He worked and worked and worked and you rejected and rejected and re rejected and then one day you said, uh -huh, I can't live with this sin anymore and you're the only ones that can, that can cleanse me. And you said, I give up, God. And he said, come on in, you're son now. You're no longer an orphan or a rebel, right? Amen. He adopted you. It's why he works tirelessly and endlessly to see lost people saved. And that happens through our ministry as followers of Jesus. To bring the wayward ones home, the far from God, into the family of God. So, considering God's goodness and his love and his desire that none would, would perish, how do you think it makes God feel when a person at the end of their life makes a decision that separates them from God for eternity? I mean, it's got to break the heart of God. Any good mom or dad, 
And good in comparison to God is like minimal, but like any of us that as moms and dads that, that, are, that are trying to be as good as we can, when our kids make boneheaded decisions that hurt them, we feel that pain too. And that's usually not eternal. But when people say no to the very end of their life and they die in that unrepentant state, it wasn't what it was intended to be. Even though sin entered the world, that wasn't what it was meant to end like because he's patient, wanting all to know him. Amen. He doesn't want anyone to have eternal consequences away from him. But God gave every person a free will to choose to love him and accept him or choose to reject him. And at the end of time, in one place or another, it will be those who chose to accept Jesus and those who chose to reject Jesus. But I don't walk around rejecting God. I had a friend of mine say that to me once. You're always saying I'm rejecting God. I'm like, well, by not accepting him, you're rejecting him. He's like, yeah, but I don't like those words. And I was like, okay, but I like you enough to tell you that it's not okay. I'm not willing to just be like, I don't want to offend you here. I'll just wait for you to get offended in hell. I'm not willing to do that. And I wasn't mean to him, but I was like, your life of not choosing Jesus means you're rejecting Jesus. Oh, why do I need Jesus, Scott? Because you're, you're lost. You're a sinner. So are you, Scott. I was. I get the identity of Jesus now. So I'm no longer a sinner. I'm a saint who still screws up, right? But I get the identity of Jesus now. And the difference is that person is still living in their sin. We can choose to accept him or reject him. Heaven is the eternal home for those who've chosen him. And at the end of time, like Peter says, when it all burns up and it's gone, the family of God will gather for eternity. All those who are sons and daughters will be in the presence of God the Father God the Son and God the Spirit for eternity, that family has chosen to be that family and all others have chosen to reject Him and end up in a Christless eternity. When this all burns up, the family of God remains. Isn't that nice? That's nice. The family of God remains. But people will still reject Him in spite of His love and His goodness and His pursuit of Him. But our eternal destiny is our choice. That's where free will comes in. We choose to be a family and follow Jesus, or we choose to reject the Heavenly Father. It's one of the things I love about baptism. We got some uh, pictures we're going to show of, uh, uh, of baptisms in recent times. Um, one of the things I, I love about baptism is the celebration of a person who has chosen to follow Jesus. These, these young ones, these, uh, these uh, you know, middle-aged ones, these, these uh, gray-haired ones that say, I'm, I'm choosing eternity and life with Jesus. And so they get water baptized because Jesus asks us to, to be, he says, be baptized. And, and he showed us the way he was baptized as well. And so, so when we get water baptized, it's, it's us saying, I identify with what you did, Jesus. I just don't have to go through the pain of it all. That's why we get, we get dunked under water. He got buried in a tomb. 
We rise up dripping but, but cleansed. He rose up victorious and he calls us to new life. So when we do those moments of water baptism, we're celebrating that person's eternal choice and their identif identification with Jesus taking on his identity, righteous and holy and blameless. God's a loving God and he gives us a choice. And then he says, be baptized. Identify with my son. And that's why we encourage you, if you've never been baptized, then get baptized next Sunday. Right after church under the oak trees over there. I don't know if you could pick a better time or place. This is God's country. Right here in the hill country. Right? He's going he's gonna to show up too. He's going to be cheering on from heaven. He loves when we follow Jesus into the things that Jesus calls us to. Those are the peaceful lives that we live holy and blameless before him like Peter was talking about. It's such an exciting moment for us to celebrate, which is why we love celebrating that with you. You can sign up for it uh, out there at the info table or online. And you can bring... Ten people that need to be baptized to be baptized on Sunday. Moms and dads, you can be the baptizers. You can celebrate that with your kid. It's just a great moment. But we love it because it connects us with eternity and a loving God. Hell was not created for people, Jesus tells us. It was created for, for the devil and his demons. Matthew 25, I think it's verse 40, 42, 41, something like that. Jesus said, hell was created for the devil and its demons. Sadly, though, Isaiah 5 tells us it gets expanded or populated more by unbelievers who die in their unbelief, die in their, in their sin, in their lives not submitted to Jesus. God doesn't send people to hell. People send themselves. And that sounds so harsh. But hell is harsh. Big question that we should be asking is how can anyone reject a loving God? The question often gets asked, how can a loving God send people to hell? How can anyone in their right mind reject a loving God who would go to the lengths he's gone to to free us from sin and death? That Jesus, who's perfect and made this planet and all of its inhabitants, would come down here and live like one of us and then die for all of us. The second nature of God we're going to look at, his character, is that God is holy. We're not going to go totally in depth here, but, but the reality is this, that, that God is holy and sin repels him. He's holy and so sin cannot be in his presence. And, and because of his holiness, he's like, you've got sin in your life and I'm holy. I can't have relationship with you. And that's, that's a problem. But of course, he solves the problem in a person named Jesus. 1 Peter 1.16 tells us that he's a holy God. And that means so much, it's like probably a whole series you could do. He's a loving God. He's a holy God, so sin repels him. So then it's like, well, what do we do? We look at the third part of his nature and that he's just. And it's like, well, how is that going to help the sin part. Because we don't get judged, Jesus does. That's why. God's just, Genesis 18, 25. 
Abraham says, you're a just judge. You only ever do what's right. You've never made an unjust judgment or a decision. You cannot be unjust in any way. He always gives us a way to know him. And then he makes a way to deal with the sin issue in our lives. Romans 1, verses 18 through 20, shows us that everyone has a choice. What about those people in Africa? What about those people that, you know, before the, uh, somebody got to them as a missionary, you know, 500 years ago in the hills of Nepal, all of that? Romans 1 tells us that God always makes a way for someone to have an opportunity to know him. He's always been intentional that every human being has an opportunity to see him, know him, and choose. Every person is born with a conscience. We are, we are sinful. We have sin issues. But we also have this, this aspect of God in us that, that knows right and wrong. And then he shows us himself in some way. Sometimes, for some of us, it's a person came right to us. Sometimes it's in a church service. Sometimes we're listening to something. Sometimes it's like Patrick of Ireland, famously known as St. Patrick. He's on the backside of a hill. He's a slave. He's taking care of sheep. He looks up in the sky and he's like, you're real. And then God commissions him to be who Patrick of Ireland is. God makes a way for everyone to know him, but we still got to choose. He's just. So he does everything right. At the same time that he's just, payment for sin has to happen. And that's where we go, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, if payment for sin has to happen and I've sinned and I can't pay for that, what do I do? His far-reaching mercy makes a way where there is no way. Because he loves me so much. And he says, Scott, I love you, but you're stuck in sin and you can't be in my presence and I have to judge sin. I will send Jesus to stand in your place and because he's perfect, he can take the judgment and then you accept him and you can be with me. Holiness issue resolved there, manner of speaking. He makes a way where there is no way because he says, I judge Jesus for all of mankind. That's what God did just to save us, that far-reaching grace. So I bought probably my favorite verse in the New Testament is 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says this, For God made Christ, he made Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. He was the payment. Sin enacts a price. It has to be judged. I needed to be judged to be in God's presence. I can't pay the price. Step in Jesus, live a perfect life, go to the cross in my place, and die for my sins. That's what he's saying right there. So that we could be made right with God through Christ, through his work on the cross. All of our sins, once we choose Jesus, left there. All of them. Guilt fully removed when I choose Jesus. It's just gone forever. No more guilt. No more shame. No more sin that I, have to, that I have to be bound by or be judged by. We then walk away with what does it say? We walk away with God's righteousness. Jesus took my sin and your sin and every other person's sin in the history of the world. 
And then he says, you want my righteousness? Just choose me. And you get all of my righteousness. All sin poured into Jesus. All of Jesus' righteousness poured into Scott. That's what happened at the cross on that day. It's like a, it reminded me of like a kid at Christmas. It's like God buys the gift. God wraps the gift. God sets up the Christmas scene. He makes, you know, pancakes and bacon and eggs for breakfast. And he says, come. And, you, and Matthew opens up the present. And he's like, woo! And he goes and he enjoys the present that he didn't pay for or, or do anything to get. He just gets it. He leaves the wrapping paper on the ground. And then God cleans up the wrapping paper in the dishes. He does it all. He does it all. And he says, the gift is eternal life. All you have to do, Matthew, is open the gift. It's too simple, Scott. I know. We're simple people. We needed a simple answer. <laughs> Jesus did the hard stuff. We got the simple stuff. But we still have to make a choice. So do you see God for the loving God he truly is? For every believer, Jesus took the blame for our sins, paid a debt that we just could not pay. In that single act, the punishment of sin was satisfied for all time. The only thing left to do is to accept Jesus' offer. His life in exchange for yours, in exchange for mine. He died for every person on the planet. How can a God, a loving God, send people to hell? He doesn't. He's a loving God that sends himself to us. That's what he does. The afterlife, it's mysterious, right? Anybody figure it all out? Don't answer yes, because you're wrong. <laughs> but it can be scary and overwhelming at times, right? Especially as we age. I didn't think about it as much when I was 23 as I do when I'm 53. Just the thought of it raises question after question. What's the judgment? What about the second coming? Can I know for sure? Yes, you can. Ultimately, what you believe about death and eternity will shape how you live on planet earth. What you live for. If you live the way that God called you to live, or if you live in fear and panic, or you live separate from humanity and just looking for the sky. We're left here to do the job that Jesus came to do. Seek and save the lost. So our goal is that we'd see God's heart for the lost and our part in his heart's desire to see them saved because he's patient for them. If you're listening online or on the radio, you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I would ask this, can you see God for the loving God he truly is? If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're lost in sin right now and I don't say that accusatory. I have been there. Everyone I know that follows Jesus was once there. You're not alone in that. But you are alone in being the only one who can make a decision about where you spend eternity. And so if you're here today or listening and you've never made a decision to, to follow Jesus, to believe in him as Lord and Savior, to, to, to ask him to forgive you of your sins because you have sins, whatever they are, you may not live a wild, crazy, insane, addicted, like debaucherous lifestyle of sin. Maybe you're a pretty good person in the world standards, but if, if you've never fallen in love with Jesus and followed him, you're still stuck there. And if you're absolutely debaucherous in your lifestyle, 
You're in the same place we all were in before Jesus. Sin. And so you can make a decision today to go, forgive me. Like, I don't care how bad your life has been and how you've lived it. If you give up and you say, I quit that. Forgive me. I follow you. You're forgiven fully. Some stuff may be harder to, to, to step out of, and that's why you have good people come alongside you. You may have addictions you got to deal with or mindsets that, that are addictive that you got to deal with or a mouth that, that you got to deal with. But, but Jesus doesn't say, get it all fixed and then come to me and I'll stamp my approval on you. He says, come to me and, and give up. Follow me as your, as your Lord and Savior, and then I will turn you into an image of me. Whatever the lumpiness of your clay is, he puts you on his potter's wheel and he begins to fashion you. So don't worry about what you're, what you're stuck in or what you've done. Ask yourself, have I ever made a decision to follow Jesus? Is he, is he my savior? Is he my king? Have I asked him to forgive me of my sins? So I'm gonna ask you to stand right now and I'm gonna pray as we go into a couple of songs of worship. And, and for those who've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I'm going to ask you to, to have a moment with Jesus. For those who don't know Jesus, eternity is on the line for you. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it's not my job to sugarcoat it. I'm also not going to be mean and pithy because that doesn't help at all. But you either at the end of your days on earth will live eternally with him or eternally without him. And eternally without him is not just another place. It is horrific beyond our imagination. And eternity with him is majestic beyond our wildest imaginations. And eternally with Jesus is in the family of God the way it was always designed to be. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes. And I'm going to, I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you want to follow Jesus, would you make the decision to follow Jesus today? You may want to come up here during the song of worship. You may want to just be where you are and, and find us afterwards. But I would highly recommend if you make this decision, whether you're listening online or watching, or you're here, of letting someone who follows Jesus know the decision you made so we can pray with you and encourage you and maybe get you a Bible or tell you where to start reading in your Bible, how to start living as a, as a disciple, a following believer of Jesus so you live a peaceful life full of purity like the Gospels tell us. But if you would just join with me here and pray this prayer. And for those that, that follow Jesus and you know you follow Jesus, would you pray for someone you know who needs Jesus right now, that you would be the person or somebody, somehow God would send someone to that person this very week that they would know Jesus and follow Jesus and be found in the family of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your far-reaching grace, your mercy that, that is beyond our wildest imaginations, that mercy that says, the punishment you deserve, I'm removing. I'm putting it on Jesus. My love for you is so much 
that I would remove your punishment and because I'm, I'm just, I would place the punishment on Jesus and then I would give you his righteousness, his holiness so you could be in my presence, not just once, not just later, but for all time. God, you had Paul write to us in Romans 10 that, that if we believe it in our hearts and we confess it with our mouths, that we will be saved. That, that Jesus, all who call upon your name, Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, the Savior of mankind, all who call on your name will be saved. I pray that everyone in this room and everyone listening would be able to say right now, I accept a loving God. I accept the loving God. That, that anyone who doesn't know you would no longer reject the love of the loving God who is patient beyond all understanding of our own. That we would be able to pray this prayer, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. And I accept your forgiveness of my sins. And as I repent of my former lifestyle and choose to follow you wholeheartedly with all my heart and all my mind that you would help me to, to step out of those struggles in my past which is now totally nailed to the cross and step into the life bringing, life giving hope filled, grace filled, merciful love relationship with God himself I pray that everyone in this room would truly know they are an adopted son or daughter of the living God, the Father, Abba himself. Now we worship you in spirit and truth right now. You're worthy. And we worship you with our minds and our hearts, giving you all the praise and glory you deserve. A God who made a way where there was no way. You made a way because you're gracious and loving and compassionate. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.